1: The Big Picture, Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. To Kill a Mockingbird is, is unquestionably a historic piece of literature. And it is seen as a great piece of literature as well. That won the Pulitzer Prize for Harper Lee back in, I believe it was 1961. Uh, and it's something that, that over the years has been widely taught, certainly in, in schools in the United States, even in Canada as well. But if we're going to be teaching kids about race relations and using the book to do so, are, are there maybe other ways of doing so. Should the book still be taught in schools? And if so, in what context? Here's the story recently that's emerged in Ontario, Joseph Breen at the National Post. English teachers and a large Ontario school board have been urged not to teach the American classic *To Kill a Mockingbird* because it is harmful, violent, and oppressive to black students, and its trope of a white savior makes its black characters seem less than human. A directive sent to teachers in Peel, north of west of Toronto, says the use of racist texts as an entry point into discussions about racism is hardly for the benefit of black students who already experience racism. This should give us pause. Who does the use of these texts center? Who does it serve? Why do we continue to teach them? I guess we should always be asking why we continue to teach anything. What is the value? What are we expecting students to get from it? Are there other ways of of teaching them the same sorts of themes or values or lessons that, that we're trying to teach them in the first place? Joining us for some perspective on this question and and some perspective on To Kill a Mockingbird itself. Very pleased to welcome the program uh, today, George Elliott Clark. He's an award-winning Canadian poet and playwright, served as the Canadian Parliamentary Poet Laureate. He is also a professor of English in the graduate uh, faculty and undergraduate instructor as well at the University of Toronto. He's also appointed uh, 10 years ago to the Order of Canada at the rank of officer, George Elliott Clark. So great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Oh, thank you so much. Great to be here. Um, uh, Look, I mean, you've written about this issue. You've talked a lot about this issue over the years. You're obviously quite familiar with with the book itself. So where where do you stand on this?
0: Well, uh, it is a great work of literature, and it did emerge at the moment of the uh, uh, upsurge in civil rights activism in the United States. Um, And one reason why it deserved uh, and won the Pulitzer Prize in 1961 is because it seemed to capture the energy and the ethics of that moment in American history when almost 100 years after the American Civil War, uh, white Americans were beginning to understand that they had continued to be oppressive towards black Americans again for practically 100 years after supposed emancipation. This work, Harper Lee's novel, served to remind Americans especially, uh, that there was a lot of work left to do to attempt to achieve a society of true racial equality and true, and therefore true democracy. Uh, and the spillover of that movement, the civil rights movement, uh, into Canada um, brought that book along into Canadian curricula, high schools especially, uh, with the understanding that this was a way or a good way to uh, awaken the conscience of all pupils, uh, and particularly those of the majority or mainstream backgrounds, to understand they had an ethical responsibility to uh, look out for those who were marginalized, those who were, those who were oppressed, uh, and to argue against the ill-treatment and uncivil treatment of minorities. So the novel was a great pedigree, and it's understandable why it entered into uh, classroom use in Canada.
1: Right. It, are, are we using it in classrooms? Then we're, we're certainly not using it just in terms of here's an example of great writing, because presumably we're, we're bringing it into the classroom to to give people some historical lesson about the civil rights struggle in the U.S. or, or to teach them uh, why racism is wrong. Does, does that tend to be more so the reason why it's it's used in classrooms?
0: Absolutely, and the real emphasis would be not so much on the history of the civil rights movement, but simply on the idea that. It is incorrect for anyone to treat minority persons or just simply other human beings as less than equal. (laughs) And the lesson is taught through uh, the good, hard work of a liberal, uh, upright uh, lawyer, Attica Finch, in conversation with his daughter Scout uh, to explain why it's important for uh, privileged folks, folks who have uh, 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 even white privilege uh, to look out for those who are abused and marginalized and treated unjustly by the rest of society. And as far as that goes, it's great. That's, that's an important lesson, and everybody should learn it, and everybody should value it. On the other hand, uh, it's probably not the only way to go about teaching those lessons, nor is To Kill a Mockingbird the only potential book that could be used, mm-hmm. especially if we're interested not only in addressing uh, racism and teaching anti-racism, or anti-racism, but teaching empowerment. If one of the goals of doing a, a segment on race relations, so to speak, in our classrooms, in the high schools, across the country, is to encourage minority uh, students, visible minority students, pupils, uh, that they have a history of struggle, a glorious history of struggle around empowerment, and that this is a history that should be uh, taken to heart and is still available to access for anyone who believes that he or she or they still have a struggle against oppression, even in good, multicultural, tolerant, uh, more or less Pacific Canada.
1: As for the, the black characters in To Kill a Mockingbird, and this has been one of the criticisms of the book, for as much as it, it accomplished at the time, there was not much attention given to the black characters in the book or acknowledging any role in, in black leaders in, in fighting back against segregation and, and these, kinds of, these kinds of policies. Is, is, is that a, a weakness when it comes to, to using it as an educational tool?
0: Yes, especially if the teachers themselves who are employing the text have no real context uh, for, for uh, discussing uh, race history or history of racism in Canada itself. Uh, the treatment of various minorities and also the activities of various minorities across uh, Canadian history and across the country. Uh, in terms of struggling for civil liberties, human rights, uh, from the 19th century uh, down to the 21st century, for that matter. Uh, and these, of course, are not topics that are going to come up in an American uh, text, which is focused on, again, teaching white, white Americans that they should be good and respectful and helpful towards uh, uh, formerly marginalized and, in fact, terrorized by the Ku Klux Klan, in particular, uh, black Americans. Uh, So it is very much uh, a product of its time. It's still a good novel. It's still well written. It can still be taught. But I think it has to be taught in a particular context where uh, the history of black struggle for civil liberties and human rights is put up the front. And the idea is not permitted to be perpetuated that uh, uh, black Americans or, or, or uh, Native Americans or, or other uh, marginalized Americans, or Canadians for that matter, had to wait for uh, white saviors, white messiahs to come along and set everything right. Uh, in every case where there have been disputes over rights and liberties in, in both of our North American nations, uh, uh, those minorities who have been particularly affected, of course, needed allies and sometimes got allies, but almost every single one of them uh, was involved in a struggle on their own, first, to achieve that independence. And I think it's particularly important to remember in terms of the Civil Rights Movement in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, while it's, it's extremely important to recognize that white Americans were very helpful powerful allies in helping African Americans achieve access to their rightful constitutional liberties. It was African Americans who bore the brunt of that struggle, and who started that struggle long before civil rights became a catchphrase in the uh, late 1950s, early 1960s, America, and for that matter in Canada. They were the ones who were out marching first. They were the ones who were thrown in prison first. They were the ones who were bombed and had crossed set on fire on their front lawns, or who were lynched, and so on, or who were Trump- jailed on trumped-up charges and harassed and brutalized by the police. We've had similar instances of this kind of thing, or these kinds of violences towards black people in Canada, too, and which have also been reacted against and protested by black people first, and then um, uh, a right-minded, civilly-minded, humanitarian uh, democratically oriented allies of all sorts uh, then join the fray, understanding as we almost understand that oppression of one group, repression of one group in a society, uh, makes it possible for other groups to be repressed and suppressed and oppressed as well. So the struggle for civil liberties, for human rights, is for everybody all the time. To come back to kill, to Kill a Mockingbird, uh, while it does make that argument. It does so from the basis of the notion that black Americans in the South in the 1930s uh, were passive and passive recipients of terrorism and therefore had to be rescued by uh, properly thinking, moral, upstanding, civil libertarian, legalistic, um, just simply humanitarian uh, folks. Right.
1: Uh, if then there's there's a need to in- include some different literature in, in our curriculum and, and include some Canadian authors and Canadian stories as well, should that be taught alongside To Kill a Mockingbird or in place of To Kill a Mockingbird?
0: I think it depends on the context, depends on the school, depends on the teacher, depends on the classroom, depends on the school board. But I think both approaches are absolutely justified. Mm-hmm. I think it's not essential to always teach to kill a mockingbird if we want to get into discussions of, of human rights, anti-racism, anti-oppression, civil liberties. It's an important text. It will never go away. It will always be around. It's very well written, uh, and, and it is deservedly a, a classic. At the same time, if we want to focus on putting uh, indigenous, Asian, African, marginalized characters who are engaged in struggle against oppression at the center of a literary text then that's not going to be the one to do it, especially if you want to refer to a Canadian context. For instance, uh, it might be useful here in Calgary. uh, It might be useful for folks to be familiar with Cheryl Fogo, who is from Calgary, from Alberta, who happens to be African-Canadian, and her book, um, uh, uh, Come Down, Rain. Uh, which deals with growing up black in Alberta. That could be useful for, for pupils or students in the, in the Calgary, uh, system. I can think of Suzette Mayer, who happens to teach at the University of Calgary. Uh, who's a great, uh, novelist and, and essayist and poet as well. Uh, all of her works are set in, uh, 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 uh most of them, most of her works are set in Calgary, in, in Alberta, and deal with racism, sexism, homophobia. Uh, have a strong sense of humor. Uh, and are very ironic and satirical, and, and I think that high school students could get a lot out of uh, reading her work as well. Those are just two examples. And what about the history of the Amber Valley settlers in northern Alberta? Uh, shouldn't that be of interest? There's a there's a great set of settler narratives, black settler narratives, uh, from Amber Valley from northern Alberta, which came out back in the 1990s. Uh, and uh, the Window of Our Memories, in two volumes, with photographs. Of black settlers, uh, just like the Ukrainian, Ukrainian-Canadian settlers uh, standing in front of their sod huts and getting ready to harvest or go to work in the fields and so on in the early 20th century. That's an important part of Canadian and Albertan history. That's not going to show up, obviously, in the Kill a Mockingbird.
1: Yeah, those are some great points. Uh, Professor Clark, we'll leave it there. Uh, thanks so much for your insight on this. Really appreciate making some time for us here today. Thank you so much. All the best. You take care, sir. Uh, That is George Elliott Clark, award-winning Canadian poet and playwright, uh, former parliamentary poet laureate. He's a professor of English at the University of Toronto. So his thoughts on To Kill a Mockingbird, and I think he makes some really interesting points. Uh, He mentions uh, the author Cheryl Fogo in particular, and it's certainly relevant because, uh, as folks may know, there is a school in Calgary named after John Ware, the John Ware School, W-A-R-E. Cheryl Fogo, of course, has written extensively about the history of John Ware, uh, which uh, led to a play, and that, in turn, is uh, leading to a film, which I believe is in production right now. Uh, but the story uh, of of um, John Ware, and maybe that's the kind of thing that that Alberta students should be learning about, not necessarily in place of To Kill a Mockingbird. But uh, are we serving students by telling them that American story at the expense of telling them uh, other, maybe more relevant, Canadian stories? Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 12.30 on News Talk 770 Calgary.